listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. Hi, Jeff. Are you sitting down? Yes, Jason. I'm sitting down. I want you to be sitting down. I want you to lean back. I want you to take it easy because this is all about passive content. So we're going to talk about video today. And really what we're talking about is just this migration that we've talked about from what I call lean content to lean back content. And so the idea is that what we're seeing from our research and certainly from our own experience is that if you're going to be really successful with thought leadership marketing and successful really as a firm marketer, you are migrating from written articles, blog posts, research reports to recorded audio, podcasts, video, things that can be passively consumed in a lean back fashion. So my hope is that you're relaxed, you're leaning back, you're ready to go. Nope. I'm a type A. I don't lean back. I lean in. And I can't believe you just said that. It cannot possibly be true. (laughs) You probably thought MTV would reshape the music industry too, didn't you? I mean, the whole title of this episode is Video Killed the Blogger. So, (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to put Video Killed the Radio Star somewhere in here. We'll probably get in trouble for doing that. Probably already have. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Way to go. Way to expose us to trademark violations. All right. So we're talking about video. You mean marketing hasn't ruined video yet? Oh, t- I'm sure they totally have, but we'll not go there today. <laughs> we'll never get back on track. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about video. Hey, hey, does that mean if you're a thought leader and you have a face for radio that your career in professional services is over? I don't even know. I mean, that's a, that's a big question. We're going to have to answer that. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm just teasing. I have no idea. I have that question in my own mind. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you worried that you're doomed? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a face for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump in. Let's jump in. Let's talk about video. Well, when we planned this out, I mean, we, I think we both came at it from different places and you suggested rightfully so that we talk for at least a few minutes. Why is video exploding? You know, why is video taking off? I mean, we know, and I won't kill everybody with statistics, but one of the statistics I think is relevant here is that Cisco tells us that 80% of all internet traffic is video right now. So basically the vast majority of information flowing across the web is video content. So what is going on? Why is that? What made that so? I'll tell a brief story and I'll go back in time because it's sort of interesting. When I was in business school nearly 20 years ago, I did a consulting assignment for a a Silicon Valley startup that wanted to internet stream extreme sports. So kind of like they wanted to be the ESPN of the web for extreme sports. And they asked us to do this whole analysis around what they were doing and would it work and all this stuff. And and in the end, we said, yes, except you're a decade early. (laughs) There was no technology in 2001 that would enable you to stream content the way they wanted to stream it to enough people to make it a business. And the the thing sort of went away. Now, of course, we are here we are today. and, And clearly, that is a business. It's a huge business. ESPN makes a fortune off it, right? So let's talk about all the dynamics that played out to make that so. There are people so much smarter than me out there. And I know that was a softball for you, Jason. So thank you for not hitting it. But, (laughs) you know, I remember the day I think the scales tipped and that's when Google bought YouTube for, I don't remember what it was, a billion dollars, which just seems so outrageous given what YouTube was at the time. Gosh, who's going to watch these people doing their own videos? 
And it's just exploded from there. And, you know, we are visual people. Our preferred channel is video. It's the closest thing to human interaction as you you can get. So I'm not surprised by it at all. I think the infrastructure, the technology infrastructure needed to catch up, whether that's bandwidth or having, you know, a phone in your hand that can stream that content. But all of those things kind of converged. But I just think it's a human being's preference to engage in video over any other medium. I think it's kind of disappointing, but it is what it is. I definitely, and you probably see this too. My kids are older than yours. Oh my gosh. If it's not a video, they have absolutely no interest in it. Maybe if it's a, you know, a real funny picture, they'll, they'll get into it, but everything is video for them, which tells me this is a, you know, a marketing trend that is just simply not going away. It's how you're going to exploit it. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't put my finger on, and this is a fairly obvious comment, but the research, and it was a speaker I heard somewhere at some point who just said, really, if you want to understand how we retain information, we retain sort of 3D movement first, meaning the idea of someone standing in front of you talking and interacting, you're going to retain that better than you would that same person doing that in 2D on a screen better th- and then that in turn better than you would, you know, a one dimensional experience where you're just reading something. I mean, it's sort of like tiers of consumption in terms of just like you said, I mean, human behavior is that we're, we're social beings. So, so that's sort of really why that's happening. You're right. It's, it's not, I think even calling it a trend is really kind of silly. I mean, it's, it's just the reality. I mean, I think if you fast forward five, 10 years, we're probably going to laugh at the notion that we used to pour so much time and energy into long form written articles and blog content the way we do. I'm not saying that stuff will entirely go away, but just saying, you know, usually right now, if I think about how we often think about it, it's, we're outlining a piece of content that's going to be written, and then we're using video to either replace that or augment that. You're going to start with a video script, and then you'll think about how to use written content to extend that. So it'll just be a different way of looking at it. And we'll laugh that we ever looked at it the other way. In fact, there's probably people listening right now, they're already laughing, saying, you guys are crazy. I'm already doing it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all marketers are going to be Steven Spielberg, right? To be successful. I mean, you have to- It's a pretty big ask. One of the greatest movie makers of all time. I mean, really, yeah, I I guess there's kind of two, well, I guess I would say three roads for marketers to go down nowadays. You know, we talk about behavioral economics. I guess I would say sales is is another one. And then the third one is just going to be digital and that's going to be primarily video. So, you know, get a cinematography degree. Start producing well, marketing. You know, well, the fascinating thing about that is that the, the democratization of video, right? And you talked about it, why video is taking off, you know, opening of the channels, all those things has really made the storytelling skills that, that people like Steven Spielberg and the greats developed accessible to anyone. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure there, there's, a, there's an expert's class taught by Spielberg. <laughs> you can pay for it online and you can basically interact with video content with he he talks about how to break down stories and how he does it you can go on Khan Academy for free and learn the storytelling animation models that Pixar uses right so these things that when I was growing up 30 years ago were people inventing them now are sort of free or inexpensively accessible sources of learning for everyone behind you know, certainly behind me and you that are coming up. So to your point, I mean, I guess the ability for there to be, you know, lots of people that can produce 
kind of, you know, commercial stories the way that Spielberg kind of does is, is probably much more realistic than it was 30 years ago. So your comment may be not be as far off as it sounds. So let's shift gears because you suggested we take a moment and just talk about B2B versus B2C video. Because obviously most of our listeners are professional services marketers, B2B marketers, software SaaS marketers that are, that are marketing to businesses and enterprises, not retail or consumer goods marketers. So what's the difference here? And because there's no doubt that video in the B2B community was slower to catch on. I don't think the impact of YouTube hit everybody as quickly as it it has in the consumer world. So what are some of the nuances here that we want to highlight and, and share that are worth noting? Man, this is probably five podcasts in itself. At the highest level, I, I guess the, the difference for me is B2B is about demonstrating understanding of an issue and sharing an idea about how to solve that issue. Where B2C I guess it's more about influence in the sense that I want to be like, you know, fill in your influencer, you know, Taylor Swift or Bono or Will Smith or, you know, some celebrity that you have this part of you that you want to connect with, with them. And you absorb those videos for that reason. There's the content can be as vacuous as it, it wants to be. You just want to connect with that person, I think, in the B2C. Now, you know, those are black and white. I know they kind of cross over. If you have an influencer who, you know, has a beauty product or something and shares how she uses it, then, yeah, you're sharing some useful information to, you know, maybe address some kind of makeup issue. But I see them as as very different. One might be really light and comedic. And that's not to say that you couldn't view that in B2B too, but I think that's the basic difference between the two of those. So I like to think about it as if you take imagine taking a really long piece of ribbon, maybe it's and it's, it's a flat piece of ribbon, you pull it out across your body, your arms left left to right, and you twist that ribbon in the center. And at the left end is is entertainment, at the right end is education. And it's sort of a seamless continuum from one end to the other. And the B2C marketer tends to be further down the left-hand side of the entertainment spectrum. And the B2B marketer tends to be down the right-hand side of the education spectrum. But when you do this exceptionally well, you find a place in the middle where you sort of entertain and educate it all at the same time. And I do think B2B marketers can do that. In fact, I would even say you know, the, for the people that read our blog, our creative director, when he writes something and he puts a video out there, he's so energizing and, and entertaining to watch just on screen that the information he's giving you is entertaining, even as the information is as valuable. So I think there's a lot of examples in there. On the B2C side, the one that jumps out to me, and I don't know if this falls into the entertaining category, but I always thought that Dove's Real Beauty campaign was one of the greatest works of advertising ever produced, where they sort of took you behind the scenes of how they, you know, advertisers make women look the way they look on a billboard. And they break that down. And it's really, really fascinating how they do it. It's entertaining and educating all at the same time. I totally agree that the B2B marketer tends to be more on the education side and the B2C marketer tends to be more on the entertainment side. But it doesn't mean that you can't find some perfect marriage of the two. And, I, and actually, I would argue that's what you almost have to strive to do if you're going to cut through the noise right now is you have to I mean, look at our podcast. I mean, our goal is to educate, but we also hope that we entertain now and then. And we hear people say, you maybe laugh or whatever. 
And I think that's a big piece of it. And that is the challenge for marketers and the thought leaders as well, is finding that balance. And that's where the effort and the understanding really needs to be homed in on because you're not going to know and you can operate on some assumptions, but you need to test them. You need to just test and learn and move quickly. But most importantly, most importantly, and this kind of goes back to earlier kind of kidding around about if you're good at video or not, if you have a face for radio, you have to be true to your personality. Just be who you are and don't try to come off as Walter Cronkite if you're not. You have to be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And when you first get going, you're going to stumble. You're going to have problems. I mean, I remember when we started doing videos, I was at Genworth. I mean, that was almost a decade ago. And I thought we would have, you know, these great people that would just be naturals on camera. They really struggled. Other people, I thought they might have a rough time. They thrive. (laughs) So you never know. But everybody just kept getting better the more videos they did. So I think what's important is, and you've said this many times as well, and just in terms of thought leadership in, in general. It's not the shtick. It's not the channel. It's it's not how you try to game the system. It's are you putting out quality ideas that people want to hear? And if you're doing that, the rest will take care of itself. But if you try to get too gimmicky or compensate, you're going to run into problems. I never used the word shtick in my life. <laughs> but I... I, I agree wholeheartedly with with what you said you're listening to rattle and pedal divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm your hosts are jason malicki principal of rattleback the marketing agency for professional services firms and jeff mckay former cmo and founder of strategy consultancy prudent pedal if you find this podcast helpful please help us by telling a friend and rating us on itunes thank you now back to jason and jeff The one cool thing about this before we move on is, you know, we've talked about storytelling, we've talked about storytelling frameworks, and we've talked about the importance of that. And of course, that's really the one thing that video lends itself to better than any other platform in existence is it's just a great way to tell stories. And from what we know about how we retain information, we just retain stories way better than we retain data. If I had to wager, people will remember the story I told about the startup more than likely than they'll remember the data point I shared on you know web traffic that is video. So to your point, that's really what we want to lean into is how do we use video to tell better stories so that we can really get our clients to learn and act and behave on the things that we're hoping that they'll they'll move on. So let's shift gears again, unless there's more that you want to say on the B2B to B2C front. Uh, one thing I would add that I think is really interesting is that, you know, and this is just, it's sort of a simplistic statistic, but I often find it startling when you really spend some time on YouTube, the following that that certain people have been able to develop or certain entities have been able to develop. I mean, individual people with 20, 30, 50 million followers. And I, I think for the B2B marketer, the only thing that I reason I share that is you think about the contrast for that. You know, you have World Wrestling Entertainment, I think has like 35 million followers on their YouTube channel. If you you know, search for big, meaty B2B topics like digital transformation or concepts that consulting firms want to take ownership on. Most of those videos, whether they're good or bad, might have 50,000 views at best. 
right? Some might only have 2,000 views. So you're dealing in much smaller numbers in this universe. That's fairly obvious, but I think we also need to be realistic with ourselves and say, you know, we're not going to suddenly wake up and have some massive YouTube following. Chances are good that's not going to happen, but don't make that the goal. I guess those are vanity metrics for the most part. They are. You've said before, fall in love with the problem, try to help clients out or prospects out and build a relationship. The rest will take care of itself. All right. So let's just talk a little bit about our journey on this. So Jeff, as you know, about a year and a half ago, I said, man, we are going to go all in on video. And, and we made you know a lot of investments, both in training and technology to really make that happen. And as we've unraveled that, we've, we've really determined that at least from what we see, there's, there's at least six or seven different types of videos that we think firms should be using in their marketing efforts. So let me take you through those real quick, and then we can talk about some of the lessons we've learned in producing that, that video. The first we talk a lot about is just a high-level brand video. This is not anything new, but it's just this idea of having a, a macro video that just captures the firm's purpose, its intent, its positioning, its belief systems. I mean, it's, it's really the two-minute summary of the firm and what it's all about that can exist on an about page, on a home page, but it just introduces the world to the firm. A video that's certainly been around for decades and used to cost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to produce, depending on how you run about it, I guess. The second layer, we've talked a lot about our summary videos. We've been using these a lot. These are really interesting. We use them on thought leadership pages. So when we produce a thought leadership article, at the top of the article, we'll pair it with a summary video from the author where the author just explains what the article is about at a high level. Sometimes it directly replaces the content. It's a one for one. Other times it's just a snippet for a longer form article and, and offers some direction as to where to go to read it. One of the interesting things about those videos as we've introduced them is that, I mean, we've seen, you know, just massive jumps in, in page time. So if someone's interacting with an article for two minutes, an article with a summary video, they'll spend five minutes. So you're just getting way more mind share on a topic. The third type we've talked about is explainer videos. And these are videos that we're using with clients on service pages, practice pages, expertise pages, things that describe the problems that you solve and the solutions that you have to solve them. So replacing that long form problem solution benefit framework of content that we use on those pages with a video that follows a similar framework. The fourth, and stop me anytime if you, I, mean, I can get through all of them or you can stop me. The fourth are promo videos. We've been using a lot of promo videos. Obviously LinkedIn opened up sort of a, a native video feature where you can publish a video right in the stream. And we've been using those as you know 30 minute intros to a, a thought leadership article or a piece of content to promote the content and push someone to where the content is, whether it's on LinkedIn or it's on a blog, wherever it is housed. And we've seen those get three to four times the interaction rate that you would get on a standard LinkedIn share or post. And then testimonial videos, that's a sort of another big piece, which is just, you think about the rule, we've talked about this on this podcast and other episodes, the rule of case studies in marketing the firm and just taking those written case studies and turning them into video content with the consultant, with the subject matter expert, with the client talking about the impact of the work. And we've seen our clients do it and we've done it on, in both ways, You know, either the firm talking about the work or the client talking about the work, ideally both. And then the last grouping is just all of the video advertising that's available out there that not many firms are likely going to invest in because not that many firms really invest in that much advertising, but there's you know in-stream advertising, outstream advertising, banner, in-banner advertising, there's all different ways you can use video and you see them all the time in your daily lives. You just don't always pay attention. At a high level summary, those are the six types of videos that we've been incorporating both into the marketing of the agency and the marketing 
you know, we do for our clients. Let me just stop there. Uh, there's a lot in a very short amount of time. So there are a lot there. I like that categorization. I wonder if our listeners are going, oh my gosh, how could you make that many videos? I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have budget for that. I don't have enough people to do that. How could I possibly get all that done and do it like Steven Spielberg? Oh my God, that would eat, eat up my entire marketing budget and team. And I think that's, you know, one of the, the drivers of, of the use of video is, you know, this evolution of distribution networks, but the low cost of production has led to the ubiquity. And there's, you know, there's definitely a continuum of, of quality. There is, just like there was a balance of entertainment and education and people that should be and should not be, there is a balance of the types of videos you should produce and what's the nature in terms of production quality and speed and, and cost associated with them. But I think these are all great examples. And we should probably put a link in the show notes so people could see some of these examples as well. Yeah, we will. And, and your point is really well taken. You know, you look at like promo videos, most of the promo videos you see on LinkedIn, a lot of times are people, maybe they're independent consultants or, or units, you know, micropreneurs, right? And the whole, the video is, is, is just a shot right off their, their laptop camera or their desktop camera, right? So their production quality is very minimalistic and that's, and that's worked quite well. At the other end of that, spectrum, as you said. I mean, if, if you're even a reasonably sized room and you're going to produce a brand video, I don't think you want to do that with, you know, with your iPhone solely. I mean, you want to put more production quality into that, including music and after effects and all kinds of different things. So there's a continuum there. Now, of course, the good news is I'm not, I'm not a video expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I think about when we used to do video as an agency 20 years ago, just the cost of the equipment that was associated with producing something and bringing the production house in was staggering. And to your point, a lot of this video now can be shot, you know, really with much less expensive gear. We shoot all the videos we do on our site and we do for our clients. We shoot with a handful of, of pretty straightforward gear, a handful of digital cameras and some audio recording equipment and some good lighting, right? And, mm -hmm. and obviously the talent of our creative director to bring all that together. But it doesn't, doing that 20 years ago would have, you know, been way more money than it is right now. Mm -hmm. All right. We're about out of time. I can share some quick lessons learned that we've had on this, if that's helpful. Yeah, I think um, that would be, be good. It's nice to see that you're actually learning something. <laughs> I'll let you know if, if you tell me. <laughs> you know, the, probably the biggest one that we've learned the hard way, both in working with clients and ourselves, is everyone thinks they're a natural presenter. Everyone thinks that they can take a bulleted outline and step up to the plate and deliver a great talk. And that may be true when the talk is a half an hour, but when you need to produce a video in two minutes, it's not true virtually for anybody. You've got to have a script. I mean, we've had some of our clients on camera that are very accomplished, seasoned expert speakers walk on without a script and we kind of end up with an 11 minute video and everybody drops it two minutes. So you, know, you, you really have to have a script. And honestly, I'll be the first to admit our team taught me that because the first few videos I shot I didn't work from a script and they ran four or five minutes long. They really didn't work. And it wasn't I until we really kind of <laughs> empathize having to listen to me. Yeah, yeah. And then we've paired that with a teleprompter, you know, so these days you can just get an app on your iPad and you can drop the content in and it's a, and it's a voice activated teleprompter and it's pretty good. I mean, you can read it and it will follow along pretty well and recognize your voice and it's you know, the cost of an Apple app, right? 
I know for us, the biggest things we, I mean, just investing in good lighting, cameras, recording devices, you know, splitting the recording from the video. That's a big deal. If you really want to get good, high quality audio, light dampening, sound deadening, all those things to basically give. I mean, even when you look at some of these seemingly homegrown YouTube channels that have millions and millions of viewers, and you think that this thing is a really low production quality, oh, they shot that on their iPhone. When you really get into video, you realize usually that's not the case. It's been custom designed to look that way because they'll capture you know very natural light sequences, multiple camera angles in a very tight space. You cannot do that with an iPhone and without proper lighting and equipment. They're doing it to look that way, but it's not. So we've learned the hard way that that's really important if you're going to do something of even just reasonable quality, multiple camera angles, high quality audio, controlling the light, all those types of things. And the last thing I'll, I'll offer, and there's, I have more, but I'll stop here, is just invest in graphics and music. You know, you and I talked about this in one of our podcasts about how most firms will never really do any audio branding. I think that was our villains podcast. Well, this is actually the one place you can. I mean, you you can do some visual and audio branding. You can create some audio tags because you're going to reuse these over and over again. And, and why not? Why why wouldn't you? So take the time to do that. So you you know start and close your videos in a unique way. That's entirely yours. Those are my three or four tips. I think those are really good. And there's so many resources available. If you're going to do this yourself, you can can do. On the flip side of the production lessons. I think professional services marketers and thought leaders have a softer dimension to this. I'll throw out a couple of things just to keep in mind as you do this. And the first one is not everybody's going to be a video star. Some of your video stars are going to need encouragement to get going. Others are going to think they're really good and they're not. So you're going to need data to back up performance on some of these. Your job is coach, if you will, to give people the confidence to to perform on screen and to share. Content is king, to use a trite statement. If, if the content isn't good, the rest doesn't really matter. So get the content right. Tell the people on the screen to be yourselves. And then this is a lesson that I think is really important, no matter what channel you're using. You have to be consistent. You have to show up regularly for your audience. I, I've gotten multiple emails or phone calls from listeners to the podcast. It's like, when are you, when are you starting up again? I mean, we just took four weeks off in the summer and people are like, come on, get them going again. People are waiting for that. And you're going to hit and you're going to miss. You want some volume to compensate. So you have to consistently show up to build and retain an audience. And and Jason, I thought you said it really well. You're not going to build a huge audience with this stuff, but you want to build a loyal one and consistency and high quality and demonstrating that you understand them as human beings and their issues will go a long way for correcting a lot of other problems with this channel just like every other channel. Just keep showing up. You know, Jeff, you know, I'll never really understand you. I think we'll wrap right there. <laughs> All right, man. It was good talking to you. Bye. Right. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh.